for my ally is the Force. And a powerful ally it is. Life creates it. Makes it grow. Its energy surrounds us and binds us. Luminous beings so we, not this crude matter. You must feel the force around you. You, between you, me, the tree, rock, everywhere. I am a Jedi, like my father before me. You don't know the power of the dark side. If you strike me down, I shall become more powerful than you can possibly imagine. feeling about this welcome to episode nine of blue harvest a star wars podcast i'm your host halls burkhart and i'm your host will witten what's up buddy what's up Hawes? so before we get into anything this week we've got some business to take care of uh right now you're listening to our podcast on a whole grip of new equipment provided by the patron saint of our podcast, Goose Payne. I'm Mr. Goose Payne, all in your brain. And we cannot thank him enough. So I love you, Goose. I'm going to give you guys a little background on my buddy, Goose. Uh, he's not only one of my best friends, he's also my sister's husband. Oh, man. Oh, man. That's the nipple on the tit. Dude, and he's dude, the best guy in the world. You know, you grow up, and uh, I know you can't really talk about this, but like having a little sister, you hope they just don't marry or end up with someone douchey. A douchebag. And this is actually just going to be sort of a redo of my speech at their wedding. But I cannot say... And look, I'm not just saying this. I'm not just sucking on this dude's balls because he got us this new equipment. That's not the case of all, at all. You can ask anybody that knows me. Goose is in my top five favorite people in this world. I love that dude He's so cool much. As, He's cool, cool as... The other side of the pillow. That's man. right. That's right. That's a good analogy. Uh, I just... Uh, oh man, I lost my train of thought. Too much booze. Me and Will did some drinking we, before this. We podcast. had a couple tequila shots just to get in the zone. <laughs> and now we're podcast. drinking on some dew shine. Yeah, it's we're celebrating nice. the it's new refreshing. equipment. Uh, but anyway, I just want to say, like, uh, it's rare that your little sister marries a dude that, like, you hope you can be friends with your little sister's significant other. The thing about Goose is that he's like that man's man. Like, you're glad you have Goose as a friend oh. because he's always got your back. He's ready to go in a fight. He's oh going to help God. you do your man shit. He's going to help you fix your car. Like, one they, time Goose and I took, a, like, four or five shots of moonshine from upper Mississippi somewhere and then rewired the car stereo. Yeah. yeah. Dude, I mean, and it was perfect. That's like, the thing. If you need something done, Goose is the dude. Like, I'll tell you right now. Like, almost immediately upon finally meeting Goose, because I, I wasn't allowed to meet him at first. My sister like kept us separated for some reason they dated for a long time before i got to meet goose and when i finally did like we were pretty fast friends but the the minute i knew this dude was a good dude was like two or three weeks after that i go over to my grandmother's house and this dude is halfway crawled up under her sink fixing her pipes and shit just like oh man i got this yeah no no problem nonny 
But uh, yeah, this dude, he can fix anything, build anything, uh, blow up anything. He's the guy you hope is with you when the zombies show up and the oh, apocalypse no. shit goes down. You better have a goo pain with you. <laughs> if the apocalypse ever, the zombie apocalypse ever happens, that's the first place we're going. Wherever Goose is going, that's where I'm going. That's and where I mankind hope- <laughs> will survive. <laughs> right? He's like the Daryl from Walking Dead. But, He's our Daryl. But, but more badass. More badass. Right? Anyway, anyway, thanks, Goose. Yes, dude. We can't thank you enough. And uh, hopefully the quality of the podcast will show your extreme generosity. And we got some extra spaces on the, the mixer so yeah, we can so, have some more guests. Yeah, no more sharing mics. mics. Like, yep. It was awesome when we had Jeff and Steve on here. We can play audio from the yep, we're iPod. Gonna, we're going to do that this time. I'm going to play us a little audio from the uh, Star Wars panel at Comic-Con. And we're going to comment on it and stuff, mainly just to sort of test it out and see how it comes out. Yeah, we'll see how it goes. But anyway, so you just got back in town today. You went to the beach. I just came off uh, nine days of vacay, and it was fantastic. That I was at the beach at Gulf Shores. Awesome. Drinking beers on the beach, having me some rum drinks, some tequila shots. Hanging out with the family. Hanging out with the family, soaking up the sun. It was fantastic. I highly recommend it. Hell yeah. Our dog, my dog Luna, is going off in the background. Everybody's She's just got so much to say. Yeah. So you had a good time at the beach? I did. I had a great time at the beach. Yeah. So we're Family going to, um, this week there wasn't a ton of news. But um, I've got some other things that I'd like to talk about. Yeah, we got some other subjects that we'll bring up. But Not, let's do the Star Wars. Yeah, we'll start off with the Star Wars and then, you know, sort of uh, go yeah, into there. there. Before we get into the Star Wars discussion, I want to talk a little bit about uh, the growth of our podcast. It's actually... Look, we're nowhere near the most popular, but we're getting a little notice here you know lately. What? We do what we do, and we do it with heart. I know. I give you the best I got, and it comes from the heart. And if you, you don't know, like it, you don't have to like it. Kevin Smith has always said, and, and um, I sort of mentioned this last week, he's a dude that I respect a lot. I've liked him since I was like 13 and saw Mallrats for I the mean, first I've time. been a big Kevin Smith fan from the beginning. And uh, I just feel like he's a good ambassador for the nerd community. No matter the subject, he's got like you know a positive opinion about it for the most part. Like, I you know I don't he's want very to s- educated about how he presents what he believes and a big Star Wars fan, which goes over well with me. I'm actually going to play you guys a pod uh, a, a clip from his Hall H panel. This is kind of sad because you know his Hall H panel was right after the Star Wars panel last oh, week. Oh really? And you know what happened? What happened? They invited everybody in the panel to a John William well not a John a Star Wars concert. Oh right. And everybody left right before his panel. So, like, for a second there, I think he thought he was going to have to cancel his Comic-Con panel. But apparently, people started coming in and filing in. So, he had a decent crowd, despite the fact that everybody... Ooh, burping up tequila. Everybody got pulled away by the Star Wars concert. Yeah. And, you know, Jesse actually asked me a very... Important question. Had I been in that? And this is a good question for you. Knowing that Kevin Smith is like, that's a tough choice. It's a tough choice. I still, you know, I know I'm not going to bet. I don't mean for it to sound like I'm a bail on Star Wars, but I would have went to the Kevin Smith show because I'm eventually going to hear that music in the movie. I know. And then I'll buy the soundtrack and I'll enjoy it then. It's an epic. You and I would have to split ways. I, you would I have to go, I and I would have to stay and do the Kevin Smith thing, and we would t- tell each other about it. We'd be like such a tough. The thing is, is I've seen Kevin Smith live. You and I actually went to see him. I sat right next to his wife. Yep, and he sat right behind me. Yeah. We went to see Red State in Atlanta um, a few years back. It was really cool. Me, you, and Steve went. It was an excellent trip. That was a great trip. And um, 
Kevin, sure enough, we were sitting way back in the back in the handicap section. And when the movie started, Kevin Smith came and sat right next. We were sitting right, in the last row of the theater. Yeah. And then there was just a scant row of chairs on the very back wall next to the where the door opened up. And that's where Kevin Smith sat. And uh, then his wife sat right next to me. And, and you I helped was, her find her phone. Yep. I did. Oh. Dude, it was so cool. We watched Red State, and I was just, I was so starstruck. I was just I like, know. hi. Like, I, look, and I, that was all I said. I was like, I'm not going to buy – I can't talk during your movie. Like, I like, wanted to turn around and say, I, I know. dude, like, You're, this is so great. <laughs> or, you know, your wife is so hot. She's sitting right next to me. Or it's really glad you're here. You know, thank you. But I'm not going to talk during your movie. So, and, but he got up and left before the movie was over. And yeah, I, I broke character, like, and just turned around and gave him the thumbs up. And he – he like smiled and waved at me and then pointed at the screen like watch the movie. And the cool part was that there's this point in the movie where the trumpet sound mm-hmm. and it's like the Armageddon call like and we figured that out and he I think he tweeted something about He did. He tweeted about us. Yeah. He, he tweeted that uh the Atlanta audience and the dude sitting in front of him were the first to figure out the twist yeah. at the end so far. Because I think it was like maybe the third or fourth time he had shown that movie. He toured that movie before he released it. And he was really good doing that tour. Yeah. Uh, and so that was my first time. And then, like, two years later, Jesse and I went to see him on 420 in Atlanta. He and uh, Jay for their cartoon movie. Jason Mewes. Yeah, they premiered their super groovy cartoon movie. Yeah. So I've seen Kevin Smith twice. Now, that's where I'd be like, well, I've seen Kevin Smith and I've never seen a live orchestra play Star Wars music. Yeah. That's where I would probably have to be like, mm, maybe the Star Wars. And they set off fireworks and gave everybody lightsabers and stuff like that. They just had a lot of surprises. They had yeah. a lot of aces up their sleeve. And they and were just cool, like, oh, look over here. And then another cool thing And over as here. cool as that is, you kind of wonder if maybe they couldn't have delayed it by an hour and been like. Do you think they knew they were stealing Kevin Smith's Thunder? Or do I you don't, think they even thought about it? I don't think they thought about it. They just wanted so badly to impress. J.J. Abrams and Kevin Smith are at least friendly. Because, you know, J.J. invited him to the set of Star Wars. Kevin Smith had that whole interview about how he got to go on the set of The Force Awakens and go on the Falcon and stuff. That's kind of why it bums me out even. Besides just being a Kevin Smith fan, that's why it also kind of bums me out that they took the whole audience. Because, like... I think it also offered the opportunity for some Kevin Smith fans that may have not been able to make it in there in line. They got in there. That's good. Maybe for the people that... I don't know. I assume there was a line to get in shortly after, or they opened the doors or whatever. But I don't really know how. It, I knew. You, I know you had to get like wristbands and stuff this year. The uh, Jason from Mason, Ma- <clears throat> Jason from making Star Wars. I think that dude waited over twenty four hours in line to get Hall H wristbands to get in, and he didn't just get in for the Star Wars panel. He had to sit through every panel of the day leading up to Star Wars. So he sat through the Walking Dead and. Uh, Game of Thrones, like that's the thing. If you want a seat in there, they don't make you leave in between panels. You see what I'm saying? So some people sit in Hall H all day waiting for whatever panel it is they're interested for in. For a good seat in the front or something? Just for a seat, period. Oh, wow. Because this place holds like 6,500 people, and you think like 100,000 people or more go to Comic-Con? That's Think of the percentage of those people that can get into Hall H. You see what I'm saying? I see. <clears throat> so, yeah, that's a good point. Maybe people that weren't able to get into Hall H. I think he said they had about 2,500 people in his audience, which is, I mean, hey, 
that's a bigger audience than anything I've ever done. Yeah. That's a good size. I'm just trying to find, you know, the positive in the right. situation. Yeah. Um, it I, does suck that they still. Like I said, here in a little bit, I'll play a little clip of him talking about the experience. Like, uh, I don't think he was super bummed. It had nobody come in, I'm sure he would have been. I mean, who wouldn't be? But yeah, that was an unfortunate consequence of something so cool. But you know what? From. He's such a loyal Star Wars fan. You know, that's I'm sure that's a sacrifice he made that was, you know, hard to take. But Star yeah. Wars loves Kevin Smith just as much as Kevin Smith loves Star Wars. I would Wars. hope so. Because I, I believe it. Back when Clerks and Mallrats came out and he did all those Star Wars jokes, that's a time when Star Wars was not what it is today. Right. When and it was in an, like an obscure kind of place. More obscure than it is now. Yeah. So, yeah, that was, you know. Like I said, just in an unfortunate circumstance of following that awesome Star Wars panel where J.J. Abrams takes everybody to a damn Star Wars concert. So, like I said, for this week, the main thing we're going to do is cover some clips from the Comic-Con panel. And uh, uh, we'll get to that in just a second. The first clip I want to play for you is actually Lawrence Kasdan the writer of The Force Awakens, and he is also, he's written other things that are Raiders of the Lost Ark. I think he maybe even worked on Return of the Jedi. I'm not sure. He is one of the new story group members of Star Wars. He's actually also writing the Han Solo movie that was announced just a couple of days ago or last week or so. I can't wait for a Han Solo Uh, movie. Are you kidding? Yeah, yeah. And uh, so this next clip I'm going to play is you know, since the buy-off or whatever you want to call it, since Disney bought Lucasfilm and bought Star Wars, you know, I, I've been real sensitive to how much George Lucas is credited or talked about in the whole process because, you know, that's a big loss for Star Wars, in my opinion, is that George Lucas isn't going to be involved anymore. Like, I'm glad that he sold Star Wars, to Disney because that means we get more Star Wars. If you're a writer, I feel like George Lucas is the audience you're trying to impress when you write a story. Yeah. Like I feel like even though you know he's not directly involved in the process, you've got to meet or see his approval. He's got to support your idea 100% or he's going to get yeah. what he wants and give you his feedback and criticism. I feel like he's still got a editorial revising yeah. role in I, the process. <clears throat> I, I would hope so, that he has helped at least, you know, at first that they said he was going to be a consultant. I don't know how true that is, like how much he's been involved with the, you know, creative process. I don't think it is as much as you would think necessarily. In fact, he seems kind of hand off, hands off with the whole thing. But, I mean, the dude's got to enjoy his life. He's yeah, worked so time. hard for so long. Yeah. I mean, sit back and and watch watch something that you created become something incredible yeah you know yeah watch a company with the resources to make star wars gigantic something that was already incredible when he had control like that he trusts i think he trusts enough he enough of the generation grew up with star wars and loves it to the point where they would never want anything bad to happen to right. it. And never would allow anything bad to happen to it. So, you hope so, at least. I mean, you hope. And, and I guess we'll see here. Oh, speaking of which, we're recording this on the 18th. As of today, five months until episode seven. Booyah. Only five months. That's crazy to think about. I saw Ant-Man over the weekend. and uh, How was that? It was great. 
It was That's absolutely cool. great. I was really impressed. Man, really it, enjoyed it. It's more and more becoming like Marvel just can't do any wrong. Even the movies of theirs that aren't the best reviewed, like say Thor 2 or something, are still really good. Yeah. Like Iron Man 2 doesn't have great reviews. It's not the most well-regarded of their movies, but it's still pretty awesome. I, and what I find interesting is that the more obscure movies lately with Marvel, Guardian, Guardians of the Galaxy, I know, man, uh, Ant Man, like not a. I mean, I hate to say obscure. There's a better word that I'm looking for. I would like, say in the general public's mind, Guardians of the Galaxy and Ant Man are two of the more ex- obscure characters you can. They pull were risky. From. Let's say it was a risky. Venture. To me, even Iron Man at the time. Now everybody knows Iron Man, right. but at the time they made those Iron Man movies especially the first one that's that's not spider-man or the x-men to me that stuff is more you know what i'm saying it's it's more widely known yeah and i it was just really really great the way they evolved that story and the way they played it off and the comedic angle they came yeah they had a lot of star power i feel like in ant-man and their performances are really great and evangeline Lilly is very hot and uh, oh kate from lost yeah kate from lost case from kate from lost is in ant-man Yes, she is. I'm liking the see. I like when I see lost alumni move on to bigger and better things. Poor Sawyer. He has just been in canceled show after canceled show. Yeah. Evangeline Lilly, what has she done since Lost? The Hobbit trilogy and now Ant-Man. Yeah. So obviously someone's agent agent is working a little harder than... And poor Jack Shepard. Jesus Christ, that guy's damn near disappeared from the face of the earth. I guess when you're Jack Shepard. Maybe he's just got enough fuck you money to be like, no, man. Fuck <laughs> Maybe that. he's taking some time off. I did Lost and Speed Racer recently. And he did like a new, uh, he did a movie where he was a serial killer. And he was in Smoke and Aces. Yes, he was. But that was, that was, that was while, go, while jo- uh, that was while Lost was on. Yeah. And since Lost has gone off air. He was in a movie with Tommy Lee Jones as, oh my God, the general in Japan. Oh, I don't know. And MacArthur. he was he was in World War Z briefly. Was he in World War Z? He was a pilot, okay, like a helicopter right, pilot right. or something. Red shirt. Um, yeah, uh, yeah. Poor Jack Shepard. He had some. Uh, I think he had some drinking problems. He got in a little bit of trouble. Did he become that rogue? Yeah, he's Jack person? off Jack off the island and see Jack off the island. <laughs> <He's>, <laughs> <laughs> you said Jack off. Um, so, oh man. You guys got me. You got me started talking. I'm sorry. About, I'm sorry. I brought up Evangeline Lilly, and it, it went. It, well, no, it you, went lost you, from you there. You bring up Jack Shepard. That's when yeah. the real. Um, <clears throat> four, eight, fifteen, sixteen, twenty-three, forty-two. Four, eight, fifteen, sixteen, twenty-three, forty-two. You know. Uh, so you were talking about the Marvel movies and how they found like that humor. They found. I think that's going to be the difference between the Marvel connected universe of movies and this new DC connected universe that they're sort of coming up with now well i feel like the dc you know okay so the marvel stuff found a way to make marvel relevant and mainstream i feel like the dc stuff uh really is kind of maybe reigning true to what comic books in essence were because i watched watchmen lately and the watchmen kind of reminded me of the dc stories that they've been making i mean i think that was Published by, like, Vertigo. I can't remember. It was Vertigo. Which is a division of DC. Is it really? Yeah. So, I mean, that's fine and good. I think just the lightheartedness of the Marvel movies is always going to be me more appealing to me. It's it's more about how awesome it is to be a superhero. And fun and, and cool. And 
unless how tortured it is to be a superhero. Right. Um, but as a kid, I was always in, way more into Marvel than DC. When when it came to DC, I liked Batman because I mean, who doesn't like you like Batman? the heavy hitters, Batman and Superman? Yeah, and then besides that, I liked the deep cut characters on in Marvel, like Moon Knight, and at the time, Deadpool. Like Deadpool's everywhere now. But no. so back to the Star Wars Comic Con panel. God, we keep um, straying from Star Wars. Oh, I apologize. It's guys. all good. It's all good. I'm gonna play this first clip, like I said, and it's gonna be uh, Lawrence Kasdan talking basically about George Lucas in a way that I thought was refreshing to hear lately. Mr. Kasdan? Yes. Uh, Welcome, by the way. I don't think you've been to a Comic-Con before, have you? Thank you. Thank you. Technically, you're our dad in a weird sort of way. Uh, (laughs) Not name. No. No. But can you talk a little bit about when, when you guys, I mean, first of all, I think I think you need to understand about JJ uh, is that this he really cares about this a lot. It's as important to him as it is to you and to me. And so I want to talk about the experience of you guys coming together, you bringing in Legacy Star Wars, and then JJ, you taking on the responsibility of meeting together and figuring out how to bring new characters into the universe. Yeah, well, the guy that brought me in is is the genius that brings us all here. Was George Lucas? Yeah. He was absolute breakthrough monster genius, and none of us would be here if it weren't for him. And he call, uh, called me and said, "Will you do this for me?" And we started to do Empire Strikes Back, and then we did Return of the Jedi, and then 30 years passed, and those movies just like never went out of my life or my consciousness. And then a call came again and said, "Will you come back?" and meet these characters again 30 years later. So there wasn't even any disjunction between my life and this uh, timeline. And when we got JJ to say he would do that, I went berserk because I... In a bad way. In a bad way. (laughs) I thought he was the funniest, most talented, most perfect choice for this movie. And then he and I wound up spending a year walking around, writing, figuring it out, and it's been a total gas. So that's Lawrence Kasdan talking about, you know, Star Wars. Like I said, my favorite part of that is that he says that the man that brought them there is Pan the homage. genius, George Lucas. Like, I like hearing that, man, because... Paying homage to the man. You know what I'm saying? Like, there's no Episode Seven. There's no all this hype at Comic-Con. There's none of this without George. Um, George Lucas created something that inspired my imagination personally and made a lot of my ability to tell stories and appreciate good storytelling on right. a fantastic level like he created that in me and i will always be thankful to george lucas yeah i mean <laughs> you just got to think <clears throat> is there a franchise bigger than star wars i mean star trek could give you a run for your money but you know that's an unfair is it as big as argument. star wars I mean, if like, how do you calculate big I just, I fandom mean, or number of fans or number of movies or dollars spent at the box office? It just depends on how you quantify it. And that would be tough to say because there's been you know so many Star War- Star Trek movies and there's only been six. That's but the only reason some, I say. You know, that's a tough question. See, to me, in my mind, Star Wars is the biggest franchise of all time. Star Wars is the one that I relate to very easily there's there's elements of star wars that i don't get in star trek but i mean don't get me wrong i love star right trek. right I'm i a understand huge trekkie, but, but um, see this is the thing like do you think 
There's to, a rough element. To me, the closest element. thing that's come to that level of public awareness is, is the Marvel movies. Maybe the Firefly fandom. I'm not sure how I don't big think that so. is, but they're incredibly passionate. I mean, they are passionate, and, and I like Firefly. I'm not saying they're not passionate. I'm just saying I don't think they're as big as the Star Wars fandom. Maybe not. I number. think if they were, because Star Wars, we would have more Firefly. Star Wars has been hitting generations for a minute. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and that's been something that I know in all of my friends. Like, oh, did your dad show you Star Wars? Right. Heck yeah, my dad showed right. me Star Wars. We watched Star Wars all the time. My parents had to tell me that I couldn't rent it anymore. Right. I mean, I think that's a a very good point. Like, to me, the longevity of Star Wars is part of what, in my mind, makes it the biggest franchise of all time. And also, just the culture. To me, you see more references to Star Wars and pop culture than you do, say, Star Trek. I would say Star Trek is maybe number two, like, behind that, but... How many times do you see like a lightsaber reference or use the force or anything like that? Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, once you don't again, see a lot of live long and prosper. I may be the wrong person to ask because I'm so balls deep into Star Wars, but, uh, you know, whatever. And I mean, we have J.J. Abrams to thank again for revitalizing yeah. and blowing some fresh life into the Star Trek universe. Yeah. Well, Dis- really, Disney in general. Like, yeah. had. Well, you know, what's interesting is I think. Disney is on a roll. They are. Acquisition of Marvel. Acquisition of Lucasfilms. Mm-hmm. Uh, just, and, you know, they're doing some great stuff. Big Hero 6 was good. It's like um, they got Frozen that. Frozen blew um, up. Yeah, Frozen blew up. Uh, big, Like you said, Big Hero 6. I think even like that Maleficent movie did real well. They're getting into doing these live action storytellings of, of what their, they're doing, yeah. and people are really digging it. You know, Brave was good. I just... Uh, uh, yeah, they seem to. I mean, it's not like they haven't always been big. It's almost like they took uh, that um, the financial fa- failure of John Carter of Mars or whatever on the chin, and we're like, well, we're not letting that shit ever happen yeah. again. Yeah, let's buy Star Wars, fucking John Carter. Hey, buddy, what's going on? Hey, man, dude, what's wrong? I don't know, man. I was listening to the fucking radio today. Stuff on there bumming you out? Yeah, man. It's just a bunch of bullshit people trying to wear the fanciest hats and bang on wash drums and blow into jugs it's it's lost it's heavy man it's got me down i know what you're talking about man i it's it's affecting my personal life yeah i'm impotent oh dude the world has made me impotent i've got something that'll fix you right up don't you even worry about it what are you talking about dude the new stoned cobra I don't know, man. I don't want to get hooked on some exotic street drug and end up sucking dick for nickels. At no, five no. It's nothing like that, man. Nothing like that at all. Here, let me put it on for you. What are you talking about? It's a, it's, it's a band, Stone Cobra. It's the best thing in the uh, world. Dude, it's going to rock your that shit. That seems relevant. Let me just say. Okay. All right. Huh. Oh, yeah? Wait a second. That's what I'm talking about. Hey, now. I'm so hard. Oh, my God. Where's my lady? What? I'm shooting lightning out of my dick. Unlimited power. High and mighty. 
the album by Stone Cobra. Available now at stonecobra.bandcamp.com. Five bucks for the most badass shit you've ever heard. Check it. Watch out! Lightning Dick is not a typical result of listening to Stone Cobra. However, Stone Cobra cannot be held responsible for any property damage or personal injury caused by Lightning Dick. See a doctor if Lightning Dick persists for more than four days. Common side effects of listening to Stone Cobra may include spontaneous bleeding of the ears, eyes, and anus, headbangers, neck, high-five-related wrist injuries, excessive and majestic facial hair growth, erratic metal driving, and smoker's cough. So our next clip that I'm going to play for us is um, a little clip of J.J. Abrams basically talking about his experience on the set and you know the pressures of what it was like to get the job directing the first new star wars the 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 feel of directing in those real environments and those real sets right that they built and just uh to me you can't really listen to this clip and not feel that star wars is in good hands you know what i mean yeah absolutely so i'm gonna play that for us right now (laughs) what is your thank you very much Uh, uh what is your name Hello, my name is Lynette Grant, and this is a dream come true in so many ways. So, great to be here. Thank you, of course. (laughs) What is your question? This question is actually for JJ, and Star Wars is precious to me. I sat on the couch with my daddy when I was a little girl, and we watched Star Wars and Star Trek and Battle Beyond the Stars. It's a precious legacy, not only to me, but I'm pretty sure to a couple of people in this room. (laughs) When you get such a heavy burden and you have this precious legacy and you have to pay homage to that to us and the fans and then you've got this new generation that you're building and trying to bring this alive for them how do you approach that no pressure no i think honestly i feel more pressure answering your question than i do uh no it's a great question it really is uh i i watched star wars with my parents too uh it was very much uh it meant very much to me what, what it means to, to so many of you. And I, I feel like the answer that I can give you, the only answer I can say is um, because we, we love it and we care about it so much, our job is to not be blinded by that. Meaning you can't just be a fan and then say, well, you're going to make a movie because you're a fan. It's not enough. You got to really say, what is a, what's the story? I mean, I, I will tell you from personal experience, when you're directing a scene on the Millennium Falcon, it doesn't make the scene good. Now, it's bitching that it's on the Millennium Falcon. <laughs> like, you want a scene on the Millennium... If I could make a suggestion, d- direct scenes on the Millennium Falcon, because it's <laughs> hugely helpful. But it doesn't make the scene automatically good. So you have to ask, what... It's, it's literally storytelling 101. What do the characters want? Who are they? What makes this interesting? What's unexpected? How do you make this... It has to be fun. It has to be scary. You know, it has to... The, the, the power of what's come before is so uh, infectious and so deep that you have to harness it but you can't be blinded by it. And it's a constant thing working, you know, with Larry and with Kathy. We were always checks and balances saying, that's really cool, but what does it mean? You know, why are we doing this? And so I, I hope I'm answering your question by saying we, we, tried, we worked as hard as we possibly could. Uh, and I can't wait to show you the movie. So like I said, I mean, you listen to that clip and I was already reassured and already felt good about J.J. Abrams directing this new Star Wars movie. But that makes me feel even better. Especially with Lawrence Kasdan there. Yeah, like, I don't know, man. Hey. <clears throat> Professional storytellers jiving together on Really that. well, it seems. Yeah. Um, it's a good sign. You know, last week, 
Steve said that this has the potential to be something special. And, like, of course I feel that way. But, like. And a big thanks again to Steve for coming oh, on man. last week. I hope I hope Steve joins yeah. us more often. He well, was really good on um, I don't know if it'll be next week, but maybe two weeks from now. I think we're going to have a special guest spectacular and have Jeff and Steve back to Whoa. test out the Whoa. capabilities so we can see how it goes recording four people at once. That'd like, be great. You know, I think that would be handy to you know get out of the way. And I think those two dudes, they know each other. I was actually in a band with both of them for a little while. Yeah. So it would be good to have them on at the same time. I think that could be pretty good. But it, I don't know, just hearing... Like, J.J.'s a funny dude, right? J.J. Abrams? He's got he a seems good like sense of humor. Yeah, he's got a good... Which I think is good. Important uh, for Star crucial. Wars. Yeah. You know, not necessarily something that's in the public eye known for its humor, but it's an element that you need in Star Wars to, like, you know, not make it... You stuck-up, half-witted, exactly. scruffy-looking you know I mean? nerf herder. Like, I understand Who's that some people looking? think some of the humor especially in the prequels, goes a little too far, and that's fine, whatever. I like it, but, you know. It's just that some of the Jar Jar stuff is kind of slapstick. Yeah, which is... And it is, can be... You know, not everybody's cup of tea is all that really is. Yeah, and, and I think mainly it was more jarring because people weren't used to seeing that in Star Wars. There and wasn't was, a whole lot of slapstick. It was set up to, you know, get little kids in the story as well. Yeah. So, we're not going to play a whole lot of more clips from this panel. I mean, you guys can look this up if you want. I was just going to pull some stuff that I thought was pertinent and important to the whole thing. So, this next clip, um, I think it's important to to show because anytime we see, uh, and really this is the only the second time we've seen sort of the cast get together, but the first time at Celebration, you know, it was Daisy Ridley, John Boyega, and uh, Oscar Isaac. And they all seem really excited and happy to be in Star Wars. And this is the first time we've really gotten um, a chance to see the three, I guess, villain leads besides Andy Serkis. Andy Serkis wasn't there. Um, Sort of talk about their roles or their times, um, you know, their time filming the movie and stuff. And once again, they all seem excited except for one guy. And uh, surprise, surprise, it's Adam Driver. So I'm going to play that clip now. So we've seen the light side, uh, but what you guys haven't seen yet is a little taste of the dark side. So (laughs) I would like to uh, bring out some people that uh, let's call them relevant to your interests. Um, As Kylo Ren, please welcome Adam Driver. As General Hux, Donald Gleason. <laughs> and as Captain Phasma, Gwendolyn Christie. So let's start with Adam. Um, so uh, the images that we've seen, like we've seen some intense images. We've seen exciting images. Can you tell us a little bit about your character's connection to the dark side? Uh, well, Captain Phasma is a first order. I'm just speaking one. Let her go. Yeah. This is so out of control this right is- now. <laughs> 
Can I just say something, though? You know you're on Game of Thrones, right? <laughs> Game of who? <laughs> okay, never mind. <laughs> you're on Game of Thrones. That's amazing. Adam, what can you tell us about your connection to the dark side? Can you tell us anything? No. Okay. <laughs> now, Donald, the... <laughs> There is, a, there is this sort of an unspoken tradition uh, in the original Star Wars of, of bad guys being these sort of, eh, let's call them humorless British types and, and kind Are of you really moving nasty on to fashion. Me? Are you moving on to me and you're letting him get away well, with Well, I can't. He's not. There's nothing he can say. Yeah, that was it. That was hey, come it. Come on, you've got to say something. Adam, what? say something. So, uh, uh, um, <laughs> what do you want me to say? <laughs> Who are you? That's a good question. Yeah, see? He doesn't even... <laughs> good question. Can you tell us anything about... You? Oh. <laughs> oh, man. Um, I mean, I mean, what, what can I say? Uh, we didn't really have a lot of conversations about um, bad or evil, actually, when we were uh, shooting it. It was more, um, what do you think is uh, the difference between being uh, bad and being uh, right? I think which is a huge difference. Someone who thinks they're bad is almost kind of like a selfish thing. And it's mostly about them and hurting somebody else, you know, to get what they want. But thinking they're right is something different. Like uh, that's almost um, more evil. You know, a group of sure. people who have decided that um, they're, <laughs> uh, that they're morally justified in behaving a certain way. And that, I think that's what we kind of approached it, and, and less like um, a bad person. Sure, because no, no character would really go, I am evil. Like, they just want what they want, and that doesn't always jive with what everyone else wants. Right, yeah. Yeah, perfect. Um, so you see what I mean. I see what you mean. He like, eventually put, he was, I think it was from that comment of Chris Hardwick being like, oh, they're usually British and humorless. And so then he turned on the British and the humorless, I guess, trying to be, a be sarcastic. But he's not British. He's not. No. Like, I know he's not. <clears throat> um. I don't know, man. It just he eventually let it go and started giving a credible answer. I didn't like him before he got cast, right? And when the rumors were that he might be cast, I was kind of bummed out. Like I'm over it now. It is what it is. Hopefully, he does a good job. But like, I was never a big fan beforehand. So I don't know. Maybe I've got a bias against the dude, but he just seems like a dick. Like every, ooh, everybody else seems so excited to be there and to you know, have worked and they have good stories about how it was on set and all that stuff. And then he starts talking and it's like one word answers until basically JJ has to jump in and get him to, he's like, yeah, give him something. Yeah. Come on. Now that being said, what he says is interesting. When he finally talks, he talks about how the motivation of a villain. Yeah. And it's not that he views himself as being bad, but that he's right. Right, which I think is like uh, as a character. A lot of tyrants in history have just believed themselves to be the good guy, right? Because they believe themselves to be right, and that's dangerous. It is. So you got to wonder what his justifications are for doing what he's doing. Yeah, you know what I mean. Yeah, like it sounds like they're not going necessarily as. This actually segues perfectly into. We had a listener send us an email. Uh, a Patrick. Oh, yeah. No, 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 no. Not a Patrick. Not a Patrick. We did. That's interesting that you say that. In the week since the last podcast, we actually had a dude named Patrick, and I can't remember his last name. But uh, he uh, sent us some, 
some tweets and actually promoted us online a little bit, which we really appreciate. Thanks for that, by the way. Um, Glad you're listening. Keep listening. Yes, definitely. Uh, but uh, I sent you a text while you're at the beach with a screenshot of some of his tweets and stuff. And I was like, look, check it out. It's a Patrick that doesn't want to face fuck us. Absolutely. But and if you enjoy the show or there are things about it that you enjoy and would like to hear more of or, you know, give us any kind of feedback that you have that helps us make a better show for you. Indeed. Like, yeah, we definitely want any constructive criticism or feedback that you may have about the show. We'll be glad to take it into consideration and everybody likes to send questions we love questions it gives us stuff to yeah. talk about with you and your interests yeah so i'm glad you brought this up um so we got an email from a guy named evan evan sorry yeah not a and, Patrick. Uh, sorry evan he said hey guys my name is evan and i'm a huge fan of your podcast i particularly enjoy that you guys don't try super hard to fit a certain mold you guys are literally two good friends bullshitting about star wars that we are and, and nothing is better than that so Thanks, dude. Like, uh, thanks. We really appreciate it. That's sort of what we were going for. Absolutely. Um, so this is actually his question. It's kind of long, so um, I'm just going to go ahead and read it, and uh, we'll discuss it. It says, so I was listening to Making Star Wars last podcast, and there was a portion about how Luke's reputation in Episode 7 around the galaxy seems to people that he killed the Emperor and restored peace. So I came up with a theory. What if somehow Kylo Ren knows the truth about Vader actually being responsible for killing the Emperor and not Luke? I'm not sure how he'd find out, but let's pretend he does for the sake of this hypothetical. What if Kylo's massive respect from Vader comes from his stoppage of the Emperor? Just because Kylo was in the First Order doesn't mean that he had to been a fan of Palpatine. So, Kylo is hearing about how Luke is basically all that because of what he said, what he did that day, and to the Death Star. <clears throat> maybe this is why Kylo is seeking out Luke. Maybe believe he, maybe he believes he's not the legend he's cracked up to be, and he wants to shame Luke for all of the galaxy to see in Vader's name. That's why might be why Adam Driver says Kylo wants something wants something different in response to the question about Kylo being a bad guy. He might not have had the same end that the First Order does but he could be part of it because it benefits his search for Luke and his redeeming of Vader's name and reputation. Just a curious thought. Thanks, guys. Evan. Evan, thanks for your question. That's a really great question. Now, Because I've thought about this a little bit since I've read that and had some time to think on it. The thing is, is, um, I don't really know much about the plot of Episode 7. I've been staying fairly spoiler-free. Now, you know, some of the stuff that I do know about, you know, you can get from the trailers and the little bit of heard from here and there. Like, first, I don't know. Is Kylo looking for Luke? The first thing, okay, I will give you, let's just go with your hypothetical. You know, we, we'll, we'll, mm-hmm. we'll discuss some other options yeah. in a minute. But, okay, let's say the premise is correct. Uh, he's looking for Luke or Vader or whatever. He's got mad respect for Vader for killing the Emperor or right. whatever. Um, that would mean that he was obsessed with power. Yeah. which is a path to the dark side and the Sith. So right. even if you're trying to hunt down Luke, you may be trying to hunt him down to get buddy-buddy with him, try to fool him, learn his four secrets or what you can. Or eliminate him. him. And then to eliminate him, to see, you know, test his power, see if you are more powerful, if there's anything you can learn from him. But um, now, assuming that that's not the case, and from what Adam Driver said about the character's motivation being uh, a selfish one, kind of, and believing that you're right, Right. Uh, it may be 
that you know the Jedi. Some there may be some propaganda in place that the Jedi need to be eliminated, or right. uh, would have influenced the Empire to bring it down or something. I don't know, but right. I don't know what Kylo Ren's motivation for hunting Luke, or if that was the premise, you know. But if you had Force relics, that doesn't necessarily to me mean that you were hunting somebody or that you were tracking them down. Or the thing is, is like it seems like if that's Kylo that has Darth Vader's. Uh, burnt out helmet in the trailer, then there's definitely some sort of reverence to Darth Vader. Right. I, I feel like that is a definite. He's got it like on a podium or something. Right. Now maybe that's not him that has it, but I don't know. The it's in an entirely black room. Like that just seems too much on the nose to to not be. And what would be neat to see is a Jedi somewhere in the middle spectrum of your Force allegiance, like maybe a neutral pushing bad that has possible redemption towards Jedi, you know, that would be an interesting... Yeah, I see what you're saying. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. Maybe someone is learning a mistake as they go. Like, maybe, you know, we've talked about this a little bit in the podcast, like, maybe the Sith aren't a threat yet. Maybe he doesn't fully fall to the dark side until this movie and become a Sith for the next two movies. Maybe the Sith aren't even in it. Like, we don't know enough... Um to really say, I wish I we could know there's speak a of Supreme us. Chancellor Snoke, right? And we don't know anything else about and that, him. And we know that Kylo Ren is the bad with the lightsaber. That is the agent of the One Order, right? I mean, he's clearly the bad guy. The one thing is, is like if if Kylo Ren worshipped Vader for killing the Emperor. I mean, if that was his motivation, if he really dug Vader because he killed the Emperor, that kind of makes him a good guy. Or it makes him a Sith, you know, if you're thinking about respect right. for slaying I can see that, for your slaying your master. Either way, it could work. Right, but <clears throat> I don't know that he would have respect or look up to someone who helped bring down the Empire if he's in this for First Order. And if he really knows the truth about how Vader did it, I mean, it's kind of, kind of sneaky, like, yeah. snuck up behind him while he was throwing Force Lightning and just yeah. dropped him down a reactor hole. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. Uh, I'm not saying that that's not the case. By any means, it could very well be. I but I appreciate the the, the discussion time. Yeah, it, it's, question. It's, an interesting, it's an interesting premise, like view to go about it. I just don't know until we get more information about what Kylo's all about, what the even the First Order is all about. It's kind of hard to say for it us. Is. I don't know. Maybe there's more information on that out there. I'm just trying to. To avoid me, there's that. so many possibilities. I know. There's so many possibilities. I mean, there's just so much that could be going on. Um, I just, I've got a sneaky suspicion that the Sith have to come into play at some point. I got a feeling Luke's not really going to be in this one. For, I just got that sneaky feeling yeah. that he's going to be, you know, it's going to be the search for him. And you might, in the last 15 minutes, you might see what he's up to or get a glimpse of him. Right. I don't know. I, I and I, I wonder how well that'll go over. Because I guarantee you they cliffhang me at the end. Oh, yeah. I you mean, know they do. They probably do. I mean, just because it's J.J., it's the first one of a new trilogy that they have planned out from the beginning, basically. Yeah. So I got to think that, yeah, maybe they do sort of cliffhanger us in some way. It just depends on, you know, how are they going to do that. Unless they're saving that for the second movie, which would be true to form of yes. the original trilogy. Yeah, sort of like... Because the big drop and the cliffhanger. 
Yeah, because if you look at it, A New Hope is sort of self-contained story-wise. I mean, it's, begin- it's got a beginning, a middle, and an end. And uh, you know, but that's by design because he didn't know if there was going to be any more. Right? Had he known that he was in for two more, maybe there would have been. I mean, not that there's not. You know, Darth Vader survives, so there's the chance of a sequel at the end of A New Hope. Right. You know, but it's sort of like you said, it just sort of ties itself up in one movie. Um, so yeah, that'll be interesting to see. I. I wonder, originally I would have said that of the three cast members, uh, the three legacy players, the the legends, Luke, Leia, and Han, the one we would see the least would be Leia in this one. Yeah. And that's just sort of because of how Carrie Fisher is nowadays. You know what I'm saying? Like, But still, so we've got two trailers and a behind-the-scenes video, and we've still not seen what Luke looks like. They've shown us Han. They've shown us Leia. They've shown us Chewie, R2, C-3PO. No Luke. Now, is that because there's something about Luke that they want to be a surprise? Or where he is. Or, or where he is. Doing. Or is that because he's just not in this one? This movie is not necessarily Luke's movie. Now, you know, he's grown his beard back. So I'm pretty sure that's a sign that he's going to be in episode eight. And knowing that J.J. Abrams is doing this project... It makes me wonder if they're filming some backstory stuff that will be, you know, in the second movie, this is what Luke was up to during that first movie. I mean, they might. I don't know. That seems <clears throat> like stuff that maybe get filled, might get filled in by a book. Or, I mean, honestly, I can't really say until we see the movie. Right. And, and get a real feel it's for that. a lot that. of speculation. There is a, right I mean, now. there's 30 years of stuff to fill in. You know what I'm saying? Absolutely. So it could be that they, you know have i mean they could honestly probably do a middle trilogy of some sort i don't know what the story opportunities would be but you know i don't know if they would you know they would have to recast or do it animated or something like that that would be kind of neat to do you know somewhere down the line i have a feeling most of that stuff is going to get filled in by books comics maybe some games and then maybe eventually another TV show, either a TV show or another animated show. Um, I don't really know how many, I imagine eventually we'll get movies set in between those, but they will probably be anthology movies. You know what I mean? I don't know if we'll get like a, a trilogy or something like that in between. Yeah. Um, so I'm going to play one more clip from you guys. And this isn't from the hall age panel. I mean, really, I'm playing stuff here that you guys have read about. I just thought it would be neat to to test it out, see how it works, and comment on it a little bit. But what I'm going to play for you now is a clip from the beginning of Kevin Smith's um, panel, which we talked about uh, briefly at the beginning. I just want you to hear this dude's reaction to his entire uh, you know, audience leaving because of the, the free Star Wars concert. You guys are very sweet, but let's address the bantha in the room. Uh, I was, let me tell you a story of what happened. So I'm standing backstage and uh, watching the panel and uh, the Star Wars panel that went before this. I don't know if you know that, but there was a Star Wars panel before this. So, uh, so I'm backstage and I saw like, you know, my childhood heroes and, and people that I love more than some of my own blood relatives. Even though I don't know him, like I saw Harrison Ford and I was like, that's Han Solo, that's Indiana Jones. And they were all backstage 
Uh, I saw a bunch of stormtroopers and shit like that. I came out, watched the footage that they put up. Like, uh, you know, they had a kind of making of reel that they showed, which was phenomenal. Saw the trinity of Luke and Leia and Han together for the first time in God knows how long, standing around the stage with all the new Star Wars kids, leaning against a wall in the back, and I was in bliss, man. Absolute fucking bliss. Like the uh, Brienne of Tarth from Game of Thrones, she was here as well. She plays the silver stormtrooper in that trailer. When you see the silver stormtrooper, that's her. I was like, there's a girl stormtrooper? This is a greatest day of my life and i was beside myself so happy and then all of a sudden right at the end of the panel jj goes hey we're gonna take everyone to a free star wars concert and everybody could come and they all fucking went um <laughs> which is which 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 to be honest like you know i was myself tempted to be like well fuck the kevin smith panel let <laughs> Let's go watch the Star Wars concert. So, uh, I'll, you know, I'll be honest with you, man. I'm a, this is like, this isn't my nightmare, but I'm always terrified of walking out in the Hall H every year and and seeing the audience, like, go away, like half the audience and shit. So, welcome to my nightmare, man. <laughs> See what I mean? Yeah, poor I guy. Mean, <laughs> the dude's got a good sense of humor about when that kind yeah, of stuff goes down. But they handled it really well. It too. sounded like there was a decent crowd there. There was people there. Um, if you guys want to hear the rest of that, that's from his uh, latest episode of Smodcast, where he puts his Hall H panel every year up on Smodcast. So if you want to hear the rest of that, check it out. It's pretty funny. But yeah, that just the consequence of, you know, sometimes you don't think about the consequences of some of this awesome shit that goes down like that. And then yeah. Poor Kevin Smith, Smith is left with it empty audience for a little while who's the collateral damage in the line of fire you know what kind of sucks is um he's got a movie coming out that his daughter's in she's like one of the stars and that's what they were there to premiere was the trailer for that and she came out on stage and stuff so like with johnny depp's daughter correct yeah yeah i think it's called yoga hosers yeah that's um and so you got to think like he's bringing his daughter out like you see what i'm saying like you got your kid there you're bringing her out normally you know hall h is packed for your panel and then everybody leaves because of the star wars concert bummer you know what i'm saying of all years my heart goes out to the dude <laughs> of all years uh for that to happen it's the year that you got your kid there and there and stuff it's gotta be a little rough yeah but anyway so um i mean that pretty much does it like i said there wasn't i got a couple items that we can discuss oh i know i know that's what up. i was gonna get to i was just gonna say uh we'll probably <laughs> Sit here and bullshit for a few more minutes before we wrap it up. But Absolutely. Uh, as far as the Star Wars stuff goes, that's pretty. It's been a, a, a pretty slow week. It's because Comic Con just happened. There was some small stuff like they released a, a couple of uh, excerpts from the Star Wars Aftermath novel. That's the one that takes place right after Return of the Jedi. I see. There's a pretty neat scene. Um, you know the the celebration on Coruscant, the end of Return of the Jedi that takes place right after that when you see all the people pulling down the emperor's statue like local security shows up and just starts blasting those people oh wow so you see that that celebration on coruscant was short-lived but uh and there was some other stuff apparently this book is going to be wedge heavy it's going to focus on wedge Wedge yeah which is cool it'll be interesting to see what he turns out like in this continuity or canon as opposed to what he was before in the old eu um, well, as far as the original trilogy, he's an ace pilot. Right? Yeah, yeah. He was the—I think he was the leader of Red Squadron at the end of 
Return of the Jedi in that battle. And then in the books, he became the leader of Rogue Squadron. And, like, he would pass up uh, promotions and stuff so he could stay as a pilot. Like, that's what he liked to do. Yeah. So we'll see if that's what they go with. That's neat. But that's really about it as far as Star Wars stuff goes. Um, Nothing huge. There was, like, um, but, yeah, what was it that you wanted to talk about? I just had a couple quick things. They're not uh, Star Wars related, but I I figure people might know about these and have an opinion. Yeah. Uh, First of all, we can talk about this. Japan's real life mech. They're they're basically oh. their Gundam. The U.S. versus Japan robot battle. Yeah. So Japan oh, yeah. has made a functional giant robot. Right. That you know has armor, has weapons, all that good stuff. It's done by a private company, and then the U.S. saw that, and this company called Megabot makes, I guess, fighting robots and right. arena kind of stuff. I haven't done much research onto the into the actual companies that are doing this. Well, they created a, you know, like a gun, a gun, a mech, like Yeah. A, it looks theirs looks more like a mech from say Mech Warrior. Yeah, it's got and like cannons the, for arms and, and it's got a cockpit tank treads in the middle that's bulbous and you can really see and then it's got legs with tank treads for yeah. feet. Yeah. And then the Japanese one looks like a Gundam, basically. It looks like a Gundam on four legs with wheels, <laughs> like kind of yeah. four supporting legs with wheels. It kind of looks like something you've seen in uh, Ghost in the Shell. Yeah, yeah. And uh, but it, it looks really high tech, and it looks really well armored, and it looks very Japanese. It looks That's very why Japanese. both of us like it, is because it looks straight up it's like something tight. out it's of clean. like a Gundam or a, you know a mech anime. And the U.S. one just looks real clunky, you know, maybe top heavy with an exposed cockpit. Yeah, and it's just. It may be incredibly functional. You know, it may blow the other one out of the water. Well, you know, like this isn't a, a fight to the death. I don't know. It's not like the pilots. It's a duel. <laughs> it's a year it's, from now. Yeah, they have a year. Right, and it's not like it's going to be like, you know, like something we would expect where it's oh, a, a fight to the death and like the pilot dies and shit. It's going to be like who can disable the other robot. But what if it starts like an international robot fighting league? Oh, sign me. It's too expensive. <laughs> I mean pipe dream but if that happened i would want to be involved that'd be awesome fuck yeah robot ufc yeah yes that'd be tight um but uh it'd be cool for the japan i mean i don't know who's gonna win it'd be cool to to think about it but yeah the advancement that could come out of that is pretty incredible i read an article about it yesterday that was like hey 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 stop all the u.s versus japanese robot fight you know, everybody's got to be – there's always got to be that one downer. My one point was, come on, America. You want to throw down the gauntlet at a nation that lives, eats, and breathes giant, giant robots. fighting robots? Yeah. <clears throat> but the thing is, is like the, they did come up with a good point. Like, you know, when you think about robots and those animes and TV shows and stuff, they can take a lot of damage. In real life, like this fight, quote-unquote, could be over in a matter of seconds where somehow – one of them hits the other in its weak point, and the entire thing is disabled. Yeah, instantly. You know what I mean? Well, one thing that my dad and I discussed, my dad used to be a computer programmer. Right. And uh, he gave me this insight about Japanese programming, that you know the Japanese people are very focused on the correct way of doing things. There is a certain, you know, a preferred method, the most effective method. Right. Because, you know, so many things in the culture have been tried and true for so long. There's a certain way to do things. They take that approach to programming software. So that if someone tries to execute something out of the bounds of the software, the software doesn't function. Oh, really? You know, you need to program correctly huh. like you're supposed to. 
and a lot of other different kinds of software are very adaptable and how you can use them and how you can program with I them. I don't know shit about all this. So, so it, my dad was just saying if, Japan, if the Japanese had a robot, the software may not be as good as an American huh. software. You know, Japanese are very good at building hardware, but not the best at making software for it because it is so strict, the rules and programming it. Huh. And I don't mean that to put down Japanese programming ability. I'm not trying to talk shit or anything. I just right. It was an insight that my dad gave that I thought was fascinating. That is fascinating. Like I said, I I can't speak to that because I don't really know shit about that sort of thing. Right. I took programming in college and got a B, and then I took advanced programming and got a like a D, and I was like, nope, programming's not for me. I <laughs> gave it the old college try. <laughs> Literally the college try. Uh the other cool thing that, you know, kind of segues, well, I just went to the Hobbytown USA in Mobile, Alabama, and picked up two real-grade uh, Gundam models. Yeah. And I've never... I've built a high-grade, and I've built whatever's below a high-grade, if there's anything below a high-grade. I think there is. Whatever the the, the regular grade. You yeah, know, I, got, grade. I got into building these uh, just a couple months ago, back in March. I built my first one, and I've put three together so far. Something I've always wanted to do and just haven't gotten around to it. And then it's like a, it's a I don't know, it's a neat little hobby. It's way nerdy. Let's but there's be like master grade, which is fairly good, better than high yeah, grade. I've done and then two of those. Perfect grade, which never is the done best. One of those. I've never done a perfect grade. I've never done a master grade. But uh, um, the, I, these are regular grade, and I don't yeah. real real, oh, grade, real, grade, real grade. grade. Sorry, and uh, they looked really neat. So I just picked up one for me and Hawes, and we're gonna put it together. And uh, yeah. it looks really tight. Yeah, they're cool. I wish um, there was the Star Wars equivalent of that, of this in some way. Like, I know you have... I saw a Millennium... When I was in the hobby shop, I saw a Millennium Falcon. Yeah. I you, saw Vader's tie. And those those are not couple like Couple of this. Enterprises. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Bandai, who make these, they do have some Star Wars models. Oh, that's neat. They have an X-Wing, a tie, um, uh, a Stormtrooper, a Vader, a Vader, and stuff like that. But I can't see, like... I would like to see, you know, they're doing this thing where you're getting models and figures in different styles. Like, they've got those samurai-style Star Wars figures now that's like Vader samurai and Stormtrooper samurai. I would like to see them do Star Wars Gundams. That would be very cool. You know what? Mix the two properties. Yeah, like a like, Jedi Gundam and a Sith Gundam. N- that n- would dude, be specific, awesome. Like, y- you could do uh, a Darth Vader Death Side. Yeah. Or uh, a Boba Fett Zaku. Yeah. Or, you know what I'm saying? Absolutely. That would be really cool, it in my cool. opinion. That would Mix be awesome. the designs and stuff. Um, you could even do inspired ones, like really artsy-inspired ones. Yeah. Like, I've seen, like, a Darth Vader statue, a Darth Vader samurai statue. Yeah, that's what really I'm saying. Cool. Like, if yeah. you could turn that into a Gundam and stylize it a little more. We should take a picture of these and put them, uh, tweet them or put them up on our... Uh, our Facebook or something. Yeah, yeah I'll do that. Um, man, these things, they are a time sink. I don't know about these real grades, but I know... One day, Jesse was working a double at the restaurant, and I had just gotten a new uh, Master Grade. Yeah, Master Grade. In the mail, and I decided I was going to build that entire model that day. Yeah. And I worked from when she left at, like, 9.30. She got home that night after a double at, like, 11, and I was just finishing it up. That's, like, 14 hours. I know, and it wasn't straight that like I took – you know, lunch breaks and took the dogs out and took little breaks here and there. But for the most part, that Saturday, I just put that entire damn model together. Heck yeah. So much that my fingers were sore from <laughs> snapping parts together snapping and, and like cutting pieces out of the rack and stuff. 
Yeah, it's a, a neat little hobby, but one that I had to adopt after I had a fiance. Otherwise, I don't know how I would have talked a girl into uh, getting engaged to me, being like, you want to see my Japanese model collection? Walking into a house full of Gundam models, <laughs> yeah. like on a big shelf around the living room. Yeah, I mean... You want to see my uh, Gundam collection? It was a little bit of that when we first started dating, because there was a fair bit of Star Wars stuff. Oh, dude, she I, made I, me exile that from the living room. Oh, nice. You know, every you know every house needs a lady's touch when it comes to design. I mean, yeah, no joke. It looked like a Sam Goody up in this bitch. <laughs> FYE or some shit. The um the last thing I just wanted to mention was that I saw Ant Man. It's really good. It had Paul yeah. Rude and uh, Evangeline Lilly. We already talked about that. And uh, he's so rude. Michael Douglas, and they all give really great performances. I thought it was really kind of funny in that Guardians of the Galaxy vein. I recommend you guys go see it, and uh, I think you'll enjoy it. I want to check it out. I, I there hasn't been a, a Marvel movie that I've hated yet. There's been some that I don't like. We've talked we talked about this earlier in this podcast, but. They're doing a really good job, man, and I'm glad to see. You know, Disney's behind that. Now Disney's behind Star Wars. So, like I, I hope, said, Disney's making some very smart moves. <laughs> I hope that shit takes off in the same way. Uh, you know, we get two, sometimes three Marvel movies a year. We won't be getting that with Star Wars, not yet. I don't think. No. Um, maybe once they build the universe and introduce some more stuff, you know, maybe we'll get. It just I think it just depends on how lucrative and profitable the venture it's, is. To me, I wonder if it's almost more lucrative for Star Wars at least to only do one of one a year and maintain then maintain exclusivity and build up that hype for that one time a year. Like you know what I mean? That's how I guess how you keep it alive. Yeah. So anyway, I think that's going to do it for us That'll this week. Do it for us. I hope this stuff turns out well. It sounds good coming through our headphones. We're actually wearing headphones during this podcast for once. That's new. I'm going to brush my shoulder off because uh, it's just a little more professional around yeah. here. Thanks to Goose. It's a lot more thanks professional. And once again, thanks to Goose for real. And um, I didn't give this stuff out earlier, but if you guys want to follow us, you can at facebook.com slash blueharvestpodcast, at blueharvestpod on Twitter. And you can email us at blueharvestpodcast at gmail.com. Thanks to Stoned Cobra for our theme song. And also thanks to Evan for writing in and Patrick for being cool and Johnny Grasso. So far, we got three fans that we don't know. Hey, high five. High five. Three fans. From the numbers, it looks like we've got a few more than that at least. But, you know. Oh, and shout out. I looked at our numbers the other day. Shout out to Ireland. Uh, Poland, n- Poland, and Netherlands. Ne- Netherlands. We've had some plays there. If you Canada too, eh? Yeah, and some in Canada. If you're any of those listeners, email us. We'd like to hear from you. Absolutely. Guys. And thanks for listening. Yeah, definitely. Thanks for in- to anybody for listening, giving us a shot. But anyway, uh, for Blue Harvest Podcast, I'm Halls Burkhart, and I'm your host, Will Witten. May the force be with you. May the force be with all of you. May the force be with us. Oh, yeah.